Hello, everyone. Welcome to another uh, live conversation of Deep Cuts Live. I'm Antoine Reed. I'm your host. And today I have a very special guest, Rainer Lorenzo from HVC Cigars. Um, he's someone that I've known of. I have not had the pleasure of having a long conversation with him. So I'm looking forward to learning more about him and his company today. Let's bring on our special guests. How are you? Hey, how you doing, Anthony? How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Joe? Yeah, thank you for coming on. Like I said, I've <laughs> known about you for a while. I follow you on uh, Instagram. I see that you hang out with Terrence Riley all the time. And, uh, you're always, uh, I see that you're a little bit of a mixologist. You seem to, I think last year, or if it wasn't last year, it was during the pandemic. I saw that you were trying to perfect a certain drink that you were trying to make. Uh, and so I've always been like, I was like, that's the kind of guy that I want to get to know for sure. Probably <laughs> that was the video of me making mojitos and my Probably, family yeah, home. Was. Yeah, that was that one, right? Making mojitos, yeah. my family home. Yeah, we invite Terry in there. And oh my God, that was, that was a great afternoon there drinking quite a few mojitos. <laughs> so what's the secret to making a good mojito? I think really the secret is you have to follow the recipe. And the other part, you need a really good rum. Me, I really like the Havana Club. Uh, three years, the one that's quite yellow. I mean, not yellow, but not like really white, white. So it is quite simple. So like sugar, lime, mint, good rum, and a little in the end, just a little drops of bitters. That came out perfect that way. Well, you have to come back on at some point when I can prepare you for it and show us how to do it in person. Because oh, that kind of always well, Yeah, we'd love to do that. Yeah, that kind of stuff always interests me. If you don't, people don't know, but like in my apartment, I have like a whole bar area over here. I have like all the different spirits you could think of. So I'm always interested in the whole mixology mixing of things. So that's definitely something we'll have to have you come back at some point and uh, show us how to do and how to pair it with one, maybe one of your uh, cigars that you make. I mean, here in Miami, it's, I mean, when it's really hot, it's really nice to get a mojito and a daiquiri. You know, like you're talking about afternoon, the song is hitting you in every direction. And you say, you know what, let me get something refreshing. And I, I always like that, though. Like I said, daiquiris are definitely one of my favorites. So I can definitely uh, <laughs> relate to that story. Um, but anyway, not to digress, but like I said, thank you again for coming on today. And uh, I'm interested to, to learn your story because, like I said, I've read pieces of it in different magazines and I know. I work for a magazine that did a story on you, but I wanted to get the, the clean. I wanted to clean the slate. I didn't. I wanted to come in here, open-minded, and just ask you questions to figure out how did you get into this industry yeah, this... and and what's been your experiences uh, making cigars and and everything in between. I mean, like for me, like I'm Cuban, of course. Like you can see the way. I conduce myself in the way I talk. So like, uh, but when I was in Cuba, I was not in the cigar business, right? I wasn't in medical school. So I left Cuba when I was 23 years old. And when I left Cuba to Miami, I moved to Wisconsin. Wow. <laughs> most people say, wow, Wisconsin, yes, correct. And Wisconsin, I was working there for a generics company. By the time when I get here, my family was working for Aganosa Leaf already. So that's me how really I get it 
to know the tobacco business, the premium cigar. In 2009, the owner of Aganorsi invited me to go to Nicaragua and show me all the process that they have there. And I really fell in love with it. And that's when me in 2011, I said, you know what, let me start something I got. I always say this, I, I think I've been really lucky to be around with people with a lot of experience. You know, we was most in tobacco, tobacco business, you know, commonly from families and generations and generations mm-hmm. in Cuba, they grow tobacco. They be, well, my case was, it's not like that, but at the same time, it's quite similar because I get in the business really because my family was the one introduced me to that. But back in Cuba, we were not doing that, right? So it is like, and so far, I really, I, when I think about like 11 years ago, I say, well, this is probably, this is the best thing that happened to me so far. And for the other part, like I say, I always being lucky and, and really, yeah, I would like to say that to be around with people with a lot of knowledge and tobacco and, and really I learn a lot from them. Yeah, that's even every time I go down there to Nicaragua, it's always, I want to learn more, right? Because it's, in this industry, I think it's not, you can never think that you don't know anything, but at the same time, it's always new that you can think way better. So, and that's always, always intriguing to do that. So coming from Cuba, obviously Cuba has a strong cigar culture. And I think a lot of people, you know, there's always this mysticism surrounding Cuban cigars. Obviously, I would think that you probably have had a real Cuban cigar and then compare it to cigars from other countries. I mean, is there a, is it better or is it just that we as Americans, for example, since we don't have I mean, access to those products, I, we think it's better? I always say this, when Cuba cigar get right, this is my opinion, nobody can compete with them. What they really bring to the table, I mean, I'm talking about when they get right, right? When they do everything like perfect, the flavor that they have is you cannot compare with Dominican, you cannot compare with Nicaragua, you cannot compare with Honduras. They they have that. And why? Because it's the soil. The soil there is, is perfect for that. The region is like, it's a gift that Cuba have that for that. Right now, like you can call in the new world of cigars, you can see the things we do with Nicaragua, great cigars, great blends, but the flavor is it's not yet there. I mean, when I'm talking about the flavor, I'm talking about to replicate that Cuban flavor profile, like nice, sweetness, creamy, smooth. Uh, me, personal, I'm really intrigued or I'm always looking for that. That's me when I'm thinking about blending a cigar because it's like when you see like people really like smoke Cuban cigars or they hear about Cuban cigars, they never smoke before, but when they put a, a real Cuban cigar in their mouth, it's good. They say, wow, this, I really like it. Most of Nicaragua at the same time, you say, well, this is really strong. Maybe it's a little spicy in the beginning. That's that's what Nicaraguan soil bring to the table, right? Heavy, strong cigars. You got the Jalapa region. is different from Estelite region. When you combine there, you like, they complement well, right? And you get the blends the way you would like. But I always I say this, like, with Cuban cigars get right, like a really good Cuba, it's, that flavor they bring is unbelievable. So what was your earliest experience with cigars? I always, I am the guy that I always want to try, you know? I remember when I came out with my first cigar, the HVC first selection, the band was not the way we do the bands today. It was more like, I would like to say this sophisticated band. And I realized the blend, but 
the cigar never hit it off. And after that, like seven years ago, we discontinued that cigar. And, but I always, I am the guy, they always, like I say, I've been around to guys with a lot of knowledge, a lot of spending me always looking then how they do the things, how they blend the cigars, how, and, and it was, I, I never was the guy like, like I say, afraid to smoke, or I never was the guy too afraid to try. Like say, hey, try this, try that, smoke this leaf. Because always I told people when you are, don't be afraid to try. You got to try no matter what. In the end, you have to figure out your palate, what really works for you, what cigar is not really good for you, right? That's why you have to try different seeds, different uh, regions to see what really the soil brings to the table. So when it came time for you to create HBC, how did you start? Like, what was the first steps that you took to create your own company, your own products? Well, first I got to trade the company, right? Like, I was thinking like Rainier Lorenzo. I said, nah, that's, that's, that's <laughs> what sense to me. Like, that's what Rainier Lorenzo, like a name of the company. Why I don't have the... I remember telling my family, HVC, the way, what do you mean HVC? Oh, Havana City, right? Havana in English is because people say, well, what is the V? Well, the V because Havana in English is with V. So that's why Havana City. And that's the city I really love. That's the city that's always with me no matter what. So, and like I say, if you're talking about cigars, you don't talking about Havana, it doesn't make sense. So that's why I put a HVC. And then I say in 2012 was when I created my first blend that was the HVC first selection. I said, well, I really like this blend. Like I remember I was blending there with Senior Ramos, the master blender by the time by Agonot Sarif, and we started right there. And by that time, I was still, I remember still working full time for the Genetics Company in Wisconsin. And my free time, I was visiting accounts in the Midwest area. And I remember people told me like, Lorenzo, like, I really like the cigar, but I don't have any idea what you're talking about. <laughs> you gotta slow down. I cannot understand any word you say right now. We really like the cigar, but give me something, right? told me something like I can really pick it up. It was tough. It was tough. But so far, like I say, hey, always like I told, like, you got to try. If you don't try, it's like, I don't know. Right? And I imagine when you said people were, were giving you that kind of feedback that as an early entrepreneur, you have that mindset of you really want this to work. But, you know, I'm sure you encountered a lot more no's early on than you would have liked. How, like, how did you deal with the rejections or the no's? No, like I remember like, and this business like we still doing business. Like I say this always like back in the old times, like that's the other part of me that really lie in the business. Like I like to visit cigar shops to tell the people my story. Like when we made the cigar, right? Like. It's always, it was like that, like people know, I don't know what it is. Like, oh yeah, HBC, I don't know who you are, right? Like who you are, what is HBC? Like, and then you keep going and you keep going and you keep going and you keep going. That's that's my recipe. Like I say, I always sing in long term. So, and looks like that works, right? So, because I, many people say no to me, like, you know, like, hey, no, no, no. Okay, so. I will see you next week. I will see you next month. Okay. Okay. 
Okay. So, <laughs> so is this that persistence to help get you traction? It does. It really does. Like we really are a company that we're still 11 years in the business. We're still really a small company, but we're really growing organically. And myself, my family, when I see the process, I really love it. I really love it. Like, you know, sometimes I think that's the best way when you when you look the big picture out there. That's the way it should be. Right? So I think that way. If, if everything I think is really easy, I think when you go down, it's going down really fast. It's so, funny because the cigar industry, it seems to work better when it's organic growth and not humongous. Like if you just explode on the scene, you can't keep up with production. You can't keep up with client relations. And I don't think a lot of people understand that, that it has to be a slow burn and it has to be a slow growth. Otherwise it doesn't really seem to work as well. I mean, the, the other part is like when I told people like we are in the business 11 years, they say, wow, 11 years. Like really people start talking about us. I would like to say like three years ago. Right? So yeah. when I say people 11 years, people say, you're 11 years in the business. I never hear from you. Well, <laughs> here we are. It's the same with me. Like, I, you know, we were having a conversation before we went live about being in the business since 2010, but probably people didn't really know I was even on the radar until like two or three years ago because I was behind <laughs> the scenes. And you have to kind of build yourself up to the point where you're, you know, you just don't pop on the scene. And I think that's the same way with uh, cigar companies. I mean, and the other part I remember when I started being there with 26 years old. And, you know, imagine like a guy with a lot of experience in the cigar business, a retailer, like 20 years experience, right? 25 years experience. Me with 26 years old, walk up at the shop and say, hey, Renier Lorenzo, you see cigars, try it. Simple as that, right? The guy said, well, I don't know. I mean, you got a lot of guys out there that say, hey, let me try, let me help you out. This young man is making, but also the people like they looking more the business focus and long term when they say, I don't know if it's going to work. I don't know if you will be in the business in the next two years, three years. That, you know, right now I, I understand that very well because that happened to me. So, and that's always like I say, like, hey, it's like you got to try and you got to keep going. So if you love something and and like the way I do with HVC, the way I do for premium cigars, it's like, hey, no matter what, we're going to be here. We're going to struggle, but at the same time, we will be there. So, now, when you're creating an, a blend for HVC, how do you start that process? Do you make the blends based on your palate or do you make the blends based on feedback you get from customers? I always I think I'm wrong when I say this, but uh, I don't blame for people. I always blame for myself. Like uh, I think I I would never would put a cigar out there that I don't like it. Yeah, never. That's the the other part with me. It's like I'm thinking about like what can inspire me. When you see my portfolio, you're talking about the Pan Caliente, and you're talking about the San Isidro line. You're talking about the the 2015, the one that's smoking right now, the Cerro, it's something that why inspiring me to go behind to do a blend. 
it's not like I want to do a blend because I want to do a blend and I want to set it. Right? Sometimes you have to touch me to keep going. And so far, I have a lot of that. I know our, our mutual friend, Terrence Riley, likes to validate his cigars. You know, what does that process look like for you? Like, do you it's look like, I think, like, always quality control is something in this business that you have to be on top of this. Why? Because this is not a machine, mate, right? This is not something mm -hmm. that you put at the bottom and you're making thousands and thousands. So it's like, it's a lot of human touch in every process. And, and for us, it's like, always you have to be validated. How do you say? Validated. How do you say the word? What what word? And validating. <laughs> validate. Validate, right? Always yeah. you have to do that to smoke the cigars to see how it's doing. It's, it, it's because like that, that happened to whatever company that happened to us. You can have a cigar style. You can have a cigar. But at least you're smoking something every day to make sure you can give the call to the factory the person that's in charge and say, hey, I got the achievement here in Miami. Something is wrong there. Go and check that. So yeah. that's always for us. You have to do it. What, what's been the biggest challenge that you've had with HBC since you started it? Biggest challenge that I have. Probably it's like, like for us, it would be the to get more out there. Probably I would put it that way to get more out there, to get more out there, yeah. Like brand exposure, kind of? Like or brand brand dollar, because that's like I say, the same time you grow organically, but we still a small company when I go to places. Actually, like last week, I was in California, mm -hmm. in Los Angeles, and I was visiting some cigar shops there, and where some cigar shops, the guy said, well, I never hear from you guys. But the clients... The customers there, oh, you are the guy from HBC. Yeah, I love HBC. I buy their online from somebody else. You know, like like I said, we are still doing business the old way for us to get more exposure. And in today's world, since social media play a huge part in this business. And and that helped us with time. I can't imagine like back in the days, like I'm talking about probably in the 90s when they say it was a big boom for cigars, how was to get all around the country for all the reps around the company to do the promotions, events and all that, right? Mm -hmm. I cannot imagine like how crazy it was. It's funny because like you said, social media has just opened up so much. I mean, you can reach, you can send out a post and reach people across the whole country. Yeah. And yet the industry sometimes is kind of behind the, the curve with that because they still operate in a, you know, localized, you need to be in the store, Kind of mentality and it's like we were two different completely different things <laughs> yeah it is like it's something like at the same time we still like people want to meet you people want to who's behind the brand why mm -hmm. why hvc right why why i have to smoke the cigar why why the name of the cigar people want to have that personal touch and but i think the personal touch is what makes the cigar industry tick but at the same time the industry has to to embrace the idea of technology you know because like you and i are in two completely different places right now but we're able to have a conversation and i saw a lot of that happening during the pandemic where brand owners like yourself were able to jump on a zoom and connect with the store 
despite not being able to travel. But now it's like we're kind of slipping back to 2019 standards where it's like pandemic is over. Go, We want you to be here in the store before we do business with you, which it's is strange. Yeah, I mean, like, think about, like, when you buy something, when you buy a product, right? And you buy whatever product because you like it, whatever. You don't thinking about who's the owner, like, who made this, like, what is the process to get this? At least you are really into and something that you buy, that's, you ask this question. But more things, like, when you buy clothes, when you buy something, I don't think it's a big brand or whatever, you, you don't care about that. You go get it, and you pay, and you live. Cigar is not like that. Cigar is something like, I really compare this to food. I love to cook. So why do you go into this restaurant? You hear about the chef. You hear about it making really good food. So it's really similar. So what's been your favorite cigar? And I know that, that you've created. And I know people always say it's like a Sophie's Choice thing, that kind of question where they can't choose their favorite cigar that they've ever chose, that they've ever made because every cigar is their favorite. But has there been one that's stood out to you as being like, very special, I should say. Probably I would like to say La Rosa 520. That was being always a special to me. Yeah, that was uh, my address in, in Cuba and Havana, La Rosa 520. So that cigar, actually we did something. We're working now on in, in this project with the Titan de Bronze factory in Miami. And it's called Rare or Rare with Sumatra wrapper. And, and that cigar for us has always, it's been like that. Yeah, always really special. Now, is, is that the cigar that you debuted at the trade show? Yes, that's the one that we did it for the trade show, the TP. I just want to show people, because we have a visual here. I want to show people what that uh, looks like. So let me set that up real quick. This is a Rosa 520, the new thing that we do doing now at the Titan de Bron factory in Miami. First time using the Sumatra wrapper, as well, first time for us using Dominican tobacco in the filler. So, only 500 boxes available, 50 counts in all the country, completely sold out. Boom! Wow. So, I like the boom at the end. <laughs> that's because, I mean, like, you know, we've been in always you working with Aganosa leaf tobacco, right? Nicaraguan Piros. I mean, I got some rappers like San Andres Maduro, rappers on Habanos rapper. But with this blend, we went completely like quite in different directions, but at the same time, I want to look for for that flavor. And I remember when I was uh, working there at Titan de Bronze Factory, I was smoking the secos and the secos were from Dominican Republic. And I really liked it then. And Sandra was like, well, you go door, you go there to the little room, you do your things and you let me know when you finish the process. And I remember I was in the little room by myself there trying the leaf themselves. I was trying two pieces, the one they call the Criollo 98 and the other one they call it with Tabajo. And I was really impressed. I was like, wow, what a, my mouth was like a little salty, a little watery, right? It was not dry or a bad taste. And I said, wow, I really like this. And then I looked back and I saw medio tiempo there. 
So I looked at the medio tiempo and I said, well, Sandra, what did he say? Oh, no, we, we got some of those. I mean, I'm talking about a production of 5,000 cigars. And I'm talking about a big uh, production. And and I say, well, let me let me see how I can do something with this. And then I combine there. And the visas too as well from Nicaragua. And then I remember I was trying with some binders. And the binder I do for that specific bank is Habano, Habano blinder. I did a first one with, with Corojo with the Sumatra wrapper. So that's the other thing, first time for us using Sumatra in 11 years in the company. I really like the one with Habano. It was, it is unbelievable blend, unbelievable. Rich, flavorful. It's, it's wonderful. I can wait. Probably we're going to start shipping then, I would like to say, around April. Okay. So I can wait to see what people think about it. And talk a little bit more about El Titan de Bronze, because that's a name that is a pretty big, to me, it's a pretty big place in Miami that produces a lot of great cigars, but you don't hear about it as much as you should. So let's talk about what, for those people who are maybe new to cigars, what is El Titan de Bronze and why is it so important to the industry? Probably when you see the whole history of Titan de Bronze, they've been there, I think, for more than 20 years, right there in the heart of Miami and Calle 8 and, and 11 Street. And you're talking about they produce great cigars there. I think they do some La Palina, they do the Cueva M, some Warp cigars made dance as well. And, and they have that. You're talking about a small little factory, all Cuban rollers. They've been working in Cuba for many years in cigar factories, but then in Cuba, making cigars in the heart of Miami, just in the Cuban way. It's, it's amazing. And when you say Cuban way, like how does that differ from, say, how they make cigars in the Dominican Republic or Nicaragua or Honduras? Because like you see the way in Nicaragua and Dominican Republic, two people is making one cigar, right? One does the bunch and the other one does the wrapper. And the Cuban way, one person does everything, right? Bunching and rolling too as well. So that's what I call it the really Cuban way to make the cigars. And the other part is the technique they put the leaf, right? But I mean, like people in Nicaragua make great cigars as well and they got the technique already, but I don't know why really when, no half idea when that started reading back then in Nicaragua, why Cuban people show the Nicaraguan people the Dominican Republic to do cigars in that way. Two people just to make one cigar. Yeah, it seems counterintuitive. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, don't, I, don't really, I don't know how that, why they show that way, but that's, yeah. Well, how have you, like, you talked about the importance of continuing to learn about tobacco and cigars and stuff like that. Like, how have, have you had a mentor that's really helped guide you through kind of learning about tobacco and learning about blending and the different processes of just the cigar making? Like I said, right there, you see, like, I be able to be really around, I know it's a lifting, and you're talking about Senior Ramos, you're talking about Jacinto, and then there is Eduardo Fernandez. The guy, they always teach me, like, the way the business should go. Like, this, like, you're talking about a really successful guy with a lot of 
really successful in business in his career. And you always want to be around those people. The people that always teach you the way, as I think it make the, I would like to say, put it this way, it's probably more easy for you. I remember when I left Cuba in 2008, I, I don't have really any business background experience at all. Because in Cuba, you, no matter what, how you do, you will never have the opportunity. I mean, back then, I'm talking about 2008, it was not like that. No, it's really difficult in Cuba to be in a business. So it's probably impossible. So what would you say has, has been the most valuable business lesson that you've learned in the recent years? Probably you can say never give up. Never give up. Never. No matter how hard you try, you're going to fail. It, it's part of the process. So, and that, if you never give up, that makes you more strong, right? You got to look that way. So, always you got to try. You got to try. If things don't work this way, look around and look another way. Probably that's, that's what I say I always, when I look at you, see, I say I always look in long term. Why? Because it's like you have to focus. You have to keep working. And and that thing says, if you really do that way, it's, a lot of things can happen. I can look at that way, so never quick. When you look long term for HBC, I mean, do you have do you work in terms of like a five year plan or do you just go kind of year to year? Like how far out are you kind of looking and planning out? Probably, really, we're planning out around 10 years. Wow. Yeah, that's how far I, I look. Because like I say I look the last 11 years and people really start talking to us about three, four years ago. Now we'll see what's going to happen in the next 10 years. At least we're really focusing, we're really keep working and really bring interesting blends to people because always for us, is, to me, is to share the blend, the process that we do with everybody out there, right? Like, why you are, what I have to smoke this cigar. So, well, you try it, maybe it's, it's, it's a new flavor. Like you were saying before, what is you like? To me, the, the most important thing in a cigar is flavor. So, it's, I really don't care much about stretching a cigar. What I really care about is flavor, something they have a lot of flavor on it. And and that's what I would like to share always with people. But in terms of the flavor profile, like is there a certain flavor profile you look for in a cigar, like spice or milder or? Sweetness. To me, it's, it's the natural sweetness when you're blending. It's like, how can I get this quiet sweetness? Like, for example, can be a little mellow can be the sweet, the more like cocoa, chocolate. But I mean, like I said before, it's talking about natural. Why natural? It's like when you combine tobaccos, how they complement well together to get the flavor that you're looking for. That's 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 unbelievable. When when you start really knowing about tobacco, like let's try this leaf of this region with a different region or different type of seed, and, and you can see how the flavors came out together. And sometimes worse, sometimes does it. In terms of, uh, I'm trying to think of the, the good question to follow up on with that. But have you ever created a blend that you liked, but then you put it out in the market and maybe it didn't catch on as much as uh, you thought it would? Actually, we have one. It's called the San Isidro. We have a line. It's called the San Isidro line. It's the only thing we do box press with a bottle wrapper. Me, I really like the blend, but that's still a brand that 
it's not yet out there like 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 for example like the 500 or the hot cake or the pan caliente or the 2015 or the zero so yeah mm -hmm. in terms of i know part of the awareness in the industry is always cigar reviews cigar ratings and stuff like that does that kind of stuff as a brand owner does that kind of stuff matter to you or is it just you want people to try the cigar period like do you care about the ratings always for us it's like you wanted people to try the cigar but when you see blowers and magazines everybody have a different palette and that, and that's the beauty of the of the industry right like like you can say like hey what about you smoke this cigar from a magazine that give you really high rating but what about if another guy tried the cigar and he don't really like it it's not his flavor profile and maybe the rating was was not good at all so it's something like how can you say like for us it's like just just focus and try to best the message cigar that we can when i want to make sure when a customer you know what is the biggest reward for us it's like when somebody came to me and say wow really like your cigars that's to me it's a it's my lottery ticket right there because i say well i think we're making things right so yes. that's for us is the best reward that we can get so it's like because like you have to focus more in, in, in the product just try to really make great cigars when you get to the consumers, you will show guarantee that you smoke it and they, they will love it. And we say focus on the product. I'm reading this book right now about CEOs and they're, they're talking about customer experience. Like how do you make sure that you're keeping track of what your customers, uh, I guess your current customers and potential customers, like what they, they need from you in order to be successful? I mean, like, for that, it's always like, like I was talking before to you, how the brand, you get more exposure out there, how can people can try more. At the same, like I said before, they got to try to see if they really like it or don't like it. Hey, it's good. You have a different palette. It doesn't matter, right? You got to be honest. You say, hey, you know the cigar that you made, that one or whatever, like, that's not for me. That's okay with, right? So, but us as a, as a creator, like when I do something, it's like I'm thinking I want to reach a mass consumer out there and you got it at least you got to know that well a lot of people or some people that will not like it at all and because that that's the way i see when you got a people that like iphone apple or the other they like samsung right they say whoa why you don't like apple well, because i don't like the, the apple product i like more the samsung products you know <laughs> I, I see the way like that yeah because i've always felt weird about ratings because any um, media site that I've worked with, I've not been a big fan of ratings because I think people should just try the cigar for themselves because what I like might not be what you like. But if I tell you, you know, this is an 89 cigar, 89 could be complete, something completely different to you. If I tell you if this is 93 cigars, it could be completely different too. It doesn't make any sense. I don't know what, there's no industry standard of, of what a 93 or 89 or anything between translates to so ratings never really made a lot of sense to me other than being like sometimes the advertising and <laughs> uh, the other part like you have to put in, in the table like different people with different palettes right mm -hmm. and see how and you can say to them like hey i wanted you to write it down what do you guys really think about this cigar think about you got 10 guys in a table you put the bands off and they 
going to write about what you like. If the 10 guys, seven say they really like it, you say, well, you made it right there. But you got three guys that say, this cigar is not for me, right? So mm-hmm. it's like how you compare that. Now, as a brand owner, like I take it you don't have a big staff, do you? No. Here in the office, my sister, my mom, my little brother homing, and we got a lady full time in the office here uh, in the phone and me. So how do you manage everything as an entrepreneur? Because obviously you have to wear more than one hat and that could be overwhelming, I'm, I'm assuming, uh, at times. Well, that's right now the way we look at We are more like a family business. Like I say, I'm talking about my sister, my mom, my brother, and the lady that were here is, and my family is being in tobacco business, like I said, for way longer than me, they have a lot of experience in that. As for that part, it's quite easy, like to get easy going here in the office for us. You know, well, like you say, we never are in the bad move here. No. Well, I, I think that's, like I said, I'm always curious about the cigar industry and how it, it, it works because this is not, I think when people think tobacco, they think, some of the big, big tobacco companies that are like corporations and stuff like that. But the cigar industry is completely different in that it's a lot like your company. It's smaller companies, families working together, um, friends, you know, working with people as business partners. It's not this big sprawling corporation or conglomerate. That can be, I think that can be a lot of hard days. I can imagine for these CEOs out there dealing with more of the stuff that we do for sure. So in terms of, since it's a family business, how do you communicate your vision to everyone? Or how do you make sure that everyone is, you know, on the same page in terms of what you have envisioned for your HVC and like you said, the long-term plan? I mean, we always communicate like no matter what, how we want to be. And like, and I always say like, the most important thing is like, we have to make sure we always get the right products. And we always say, I want to make sure when I get to the consumers, I want to make sure they get the right product. That's for us. That's like, that's, that's the winning ticket for us. Like thinking in long term, that's for us got to be the winning ticket. That's always, I say, this thing is the day one. Consistency in every aspect is like, like what I think in long term. So what happens when you find out like a product is not as consistent as you would like? Because I'm sure that happens sometimes. It's going back. (laughs) Simple as that, it's going back. And I think it's good you say that because you're putting the customer first before profits. Because there are some people that might say it might not be, you know, on par, but I'm going to let this one go. But you're saying that for you, the the customer experience is is most important. So you're going to pull that product. Exactly, yeah, because like, think about like, even when we got the last shipment here in Miami, I am the one that I opened some boxes to make sure I got it. I call it that one, the last QC, right? Because before we start selling the products and like, I opened six, seven boxes and I to try one here, try one there. If that's right, I say, hey, we're ready to go. But as soon as I start see some problems, that's say, hey, let's open more and the product continue. We are not going to achieve this. Has there ever been a moment in your business where something has gone completely off the rails or wrong <laughs> and how have you handled that situation yeah that, that that happened to us with some quality control and like i say well 
this is something that was not right. Somebody that was really has to put attention to did they, they did a bad job. And like I said before, this product is not going out there. So but always I try, like I see with this situation, my thing is you have to come down. If you really stress out there like crazy, that thing is not going to work. Right? You have to come down, like do the, how do I say in English, like uh, do the rethink about, right? Mm-hmm. And see what's going on again. And then right there, you start calling the people that's in charge of that to see what happened. Because I want to make sure that don't happen again. It sounds like it's all about accountability. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just making sure that if there is a problem, find the person or a group or part of the supply chain issue where that problem occurred and then figuring out how to fix that problem so that mm-hmm. um, the customer gets the kind of product that they expect to get. Mm-hmm. You're right right there. In terms of engaging with the consumer, you talked about how important social media is right now and technology in general in terms of marketing your company. Like, what have you found works best for you in terms of that, like getting, because I'm sure communicating to a retailer is completely different from communicating to that end consumer because a retailer can get a product, but if you don't have that consumer engagement, then that product sits on the shelf and then they say that your product wasn't a good fit for their store. So how do you make sure that your messaging and everything kind of gets to that end consumer? I mean, like, always, like, like you can see what happened probably in the last 12, 10 years in the cigar business, how social media really helped every company in the cigar business. It's like we have the opportunity now to do advertising, like, while you can call it for free, mm-hmm. right? So depending how you content put it out there, people have the opportunity to see more, and you can reach out a mass market worldwide, right? So, and and I see the consumer really hear about more you more they never hear before, and that's that's the opportunity that we have right now with the social media. Even I think like always they attack it really the tobacco business in general. Because I seen the most probably is whatever post you put it out there will not have the big reach they can do in another business completely different from the tobacco. Even advertising right now, you know, right? You can advertise on Facebook, Instagram, or Google, like for a sale pitch in the tobacco products. Yeah, it's very hard. And people don't realize that, that, you know, with the social media, like you do have a wider audience, but at the same time, you're not like a, a non-tobacco product in that you can't yeah. advertise, you can't boost posts, you can't do the Facebook advertising, you can't do Instagram, Twitter advertising. So you're still limited into what you can super, do. I think super, super limited. I mean, like I say, like we're really growing organically right now. So I think we have around 9,000 followers and that is completely really organically. When I say organically, it's not because I mean, every day we're getting like this, like, Hey, you pay us tanto, we're going to reach you like this many followers. I said, well, I don't believe in that. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense for us. So it has to be organically. And I think that's a good kind of lead into how do you define success? Because people define success in different ways. So what does success look like for you? I mean, like success for us is like, like I seen like when I made a product and I give it to people, 
and I got this film bath for there, like, hey, I really like it. I really, that's, that's success to me right there. That's pretty, what is success about it for us, so, and for me personally. So, because in the end of the day, I say, well, I created something, and this is what I was looking for. That person came to me and said, hey, I really love what you do. I really love your cigar. So that's, to me, that's success right there. In terms of, when you say you, you obviously have followers, 9,000 followers on Instagram, but I'm sure you have customers around the, the whole world, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what, what was it like for you? Because you started off here in the U.S. with your business. How did you take that business around the world, like globally? Like how did you- For us, when, I mean, we do business in Dominican Republic. We do business in Belize. We do business in, in Venezuela. And that's been always in the trade shows. People came to us and was like, hey, I hear about your brand. We want to bring in. Can you import the cigars to out to the country? And it's been like that. So what's it like dealing with international markets? Because I think most people watching this and listening to this will think about the U.S., but the U.S. is just one market, you know. I mean, like, I really, when we start doing this with international markets, I was not thinking really about, like, the other thing, because I see, well, this customer came to us, that's because he really wanted bioproduct. He really, I don't know from where, but he really wanted bioproduct. But U.S. is still the biggest market in the world. So when you look about U.S., I mean, Cuba is the best. So that's the way. And I think China will be out there soon. China is catching up right now. All the Chinese buying all the Cuban cigars. I yeah. think in long term, that can be really helpful for us. Now, when you're talking to different cigar smokers around the world, what is it that they say that they're looking for in a cigar? Because I think, again, from a manufacturer standpoint, you might get completely caught up in your head as to, I'm going to make a cigar like this, or you might see another company make a cigar or a design on the band, and you're saying, I'm going to make a cigar that looks just like that. But what are the consumers out there? What are the regular guys like me and you when you, when you look in general, they're looking for, for nice flavor. Something nice flavor, like I say, creamy, smooth. That's probably what the most people are looking for out there. Yeah, even in the international market, that's, they, they want to have a, a good cigar. And when you're talking about good cigar, you're talking about flavor, balance, uh, construction, and clean finish. That, that's, that's probably what they're looking for. And are they looking for people like you, like I said, like more of a who's making my cigar, or do they not care about who's actually making their their cigar products? Usually, you know, like for us, it's been like quite a blessed because we have been, we have another Salif tobacco, one of the biggest growing tobacco down there in Nicaragua, and they have that unique flavor, the sweetness they bring to the table. But really in long term, they they say like, hey, uh, I like the way you do things. I like, I like the way you blend into cigars. That's, I think that's probably what they're most looking for. Because I always wonder, because like we get all these press releases about new cigars and it's usually wrapper, binder, filler. But when I'm talking to other cigar smokers, rarely do they ever bring up wrapper, binder, filler. It's always different what they're looking for. Always for us, it's like, yeah, like we want to teach them more like to, how do you say, to teach the consumers Mm -hmm. like about what is in this cigar. 
what is what did you get the flavor what is the tobacco came from but like you're right most of them they say hey i like this because it's nicaragua and that's what they like and that's what they smoke it's funny because it's like like i said i think so many companies try hard to put this emphasis on the tobaccos that are in the cigar which i think is important but i don't think there's enough education yet to teach mm -hmm. people what what makes a sumatra wrapper different from you know another wrapper what what's a maduro because there's so many dis misconceptions people think maduro means strong or it, maduro means it can mean sweet to some people there's so many things i feel like we're not even yet marketing or educating people on yet that it just makes it confusing because like you said when i talk to people and when you talk to people they just say i like nicaraguan cigars <laughs> that's what yeah, they look for that's yeah I like Connecticut cigars. That's what they look for. In the, in that's the what they look for. Mm -hmm. That's, and it's like, a, how can I say this? This is like a, a big range for the consumer. Like you say, you got the consumer, they're really interesting, really in double. Probably most of the consumer not. When you look at the industry right now, do you have, is there anything that you would change about it? Or is there anything that kind of is a pet peeve or kind of gets on your nerve about it that you wish that maybe it would change? I seem like probably that I would like to say got to be with the government. I mean, I, I left Cuba looking for freedom, right? Mm -hmm. I am an entrepreneur right now. And always you want that. Always you want the freedom. And and when you see the way they attack us, a premium cigars company, like, in my 11 years in the business, I haven't seen a child walking in a cigar shop and asking for cigars. You know, it's something like BS to me, right? So mm -hmm. for the other part, it is like how we're doing something right, right? We have our market, the people that really, this is, you're talking about something like people want to celebrate, people want to have fun, people want to relax. That's when you're talking about premium cigars. So I, I would like to see that the government, like for us, it's like, hey, this is legit. This is something as, as a business, as, as a natural process. From the beginning to the finished product, there's a lot of families involved, there's a lot of workers involved in this. But the most part is something like, like I don't know if legit is the right word to say, but like I would say it that way. Well, I feel like maybe that that can be achieved if we brought more policymakers and stuff like into the process to see the process. Like you have so many cigar factories, you know, if a policymaker were to tour El Titan de Bronze and see how cigars are made and see how it's a family, a, a small operation, if they were to tour JC Newman, if they were to go to the Dominican Republic and see the products are made, I think they would get a, a better understanding, but it's really strange that cigars are uh, treated the same as an e-cigarette or an e-liquid, and those are completely different, completely different products Correct. in markets, and yet everything has been grouped together, and it's like it's hard, the government doesn't, is not taking the time to separate everything out and to treat everything as its own you know, thing with fair regulations, I would say. Yeah, that's, uh, I am right there with you. I think in, in the process, 
hopefully they look at us more like we are completely different products. Completely different. You're talking about premium cigars. You're mm-hmm. talking about something that's been there for hundreds of years. Something premium make, right? So like it's not different. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, I was still thinking about that. I said, well, that's, no. this is not, I mean, you're talking about a cigarette. Make millions things a day. Yeah. Like I, I tell people, it's like every time I, I'm going to a trade show, you know, I'm usually in the car with a Lyft driver or whatever or Uber. And we're talking about what, what I'm going to the airport for. And I tell them, you know, it's a premium cigar event or what this or that. And they go, oh, and they think their minds go to, you know, they, they start talking about cigars and it's like, yeah, I, I smoke cigars and I'm like, what kind? And they either go, I smoke Cubans or they smoke like machine made stuff that's not the same. And I was like, no, it's a whole different. I was like, it's a whole different thing. Like, we're not talking about that product and they don't know. So there's so many people out in the world right now that, you know, still don't have a clue what a premium cigar is. That feels like maybe the industry and you and I and other people who work in the industry have to do a better job at educating people and getting people to understand what a premium cigar is and what makes it different and therefore why it should be regulated and handled differently in um, regulations and legislation and everything else. I mean, like, like even for us, like at the same time, when I'm talking about flavors, somebody can say, oh, I love the vanilla or I love the chocolate. Like, hey, I mean, I got it. That, that's what you like. But when you're talking about premium cigars, it's not a vanilla. It's not chocolate. This is not infused. I'm talking about maybe you can get a nose on the flavors, but this is premium. Something natural. The flavor that you're getting is because natural flavors when you combine the tobacco. And I always, and that's, you know, that's when I look at ratings and stuff. I remember going to the Dominican Republic uh, a couple of years ago and hearing how the, you know, there's a cigar maker who was talking about, you know, the whole how people rate cigars and they talk about the flavors. And he said, you know, that's not how we make cigars. Like when we, when those ratings start first coming out, we were all confused by it. Cause we were like, it's supposed to taste like tobacco. Like it's not supposed to taste like cocoa and stuff. And now you see so many people, uh, I was having this conversation on another episode where, you know, people come up with these weird flavor profiles. They say it tastes like barnyard. And it's like, I don't want a cigar to taste like barnyard. It's, you know, it, it's, it's, Hints of manure. I don't want to smoke a cigar that tastes hints. No, I mean, like, to me, it's always like, say, like, I can say probably my palate is not sophisticated that way to get all the, all those. Even when I smoke in my cigars, I, uh, I get a lot of sweetness. Sometimes I get spices on it. But when you get some really deep people, I can say, hey, this is, even sometimes we got some floral notes in the cigar, right? But when you got people really getting on that, detail, I say, wow, you, you're really into that, like, the palace build like rally to get us nose. Yeah, and I'm not that the type who can pick out those little nuances either. So to me, I always like look at the review and if I try the cigar myself, I usually don't pick up the same things with other people, but you know, I just at the bottom line I'm just looking for a cigar that I enjoy and that doesn't kind of blow out my um palate. So that's something like always like and the same way, what you can recommend to guys when they never hear about HVC, like what cigar can you recommend to them? I always, my first question to them is, when I say, what do you like to smoke? I'm talking about like flavor profiles, medium, medium full body cigars, something mild, right? Because it's a guy is really a, 
a really full, full body cigar, I'm not going to go recommending something really mild because probably he cannot like it at all. Mm -hmm. That's as simple as that because that's what he likes. So you want to reach to them something that complements his palate. Exactly. It's the same thing when people are smoking and drinking. It's the same thing. They want to probably, they like beer or they like wine because the cigar probably complement with them really well with the palate. I think that's a good, a, a definitely a good point. Um, as we kind of come to the close of today, like give us the information, like how can we, where can we look for HVC cigars? Like how can we find it? Is there an easy way? Is there a locator um, for people to Right find? now we're working on a new website right now. So okay. everything will be in that website. But I always like the most season I reach us in social media. Right now is big, I mean, the whole world. That's the easy way to reach out to us. And that when a cigar shop is the best way you call it a cigar shop and you ask for it. Awesome. So I want people to know that here, right under the screen, <laughs> is <laughs> on your, uh, Instagram. So you can kind of see how to, to get uh, to follow Rainer and, and his company and learn more about it. And like I said, uh, thank you so much for coming on today. I was like really excited because when I saw you a couple weeks ago at the trade show, like I said, it was like one of those people. And I was thinking about deep cuts for this year. I was like, I want to have Rainer on there because you and I had never had it, like I said, a real conversation. Oh, first time. So it was it was fun to kind of know your story and to um and to, to hear a little more about the cigars. And I always, like I said, I always get a little envious of, of uh Terrence because I see you two hanging out together doing your little uh cocktails and everything else. So I was like, this is like seems like a really cool guy that I definitely want to get to know. Because I like hey, thank you. Thank you so much and all you guys, all your audience for having me and your show. I appreciate it a lot. Thank you. Oh, thank you. So for those of you who are watching right now, uh, Deep Cuts, we're doing two shows a week right now for a little oh, wow. bit. <laughs> we'll see how that goes, how long that, that lasts. <laughs> um, next week, we have two shows. Um, if you want to tune in, we have uh, Robert Holt from Southern Draw Cigars on Tuesday, and we have Carson Serino on Thursday. So there's two shows. Uh, whatever platform you're watching this on, whether it's Facebook or YouTube or Twitter, make sure you hit that like or follow button. Um, you can go to deepcutslive.com for even more interviews that we've done in the past. I think this is like episode 66 or something crazy oh, like wow. that. So um, definitely have a lot more content like this for you to watch. Um, like I said, thank you again for watching and thank you, Rainer, for coming on and being our guest today. We'll have to have you back on. Like I said, there's maybe have a cocktail show where you can show us uh, how to make that. That's going to be great. I would love that. Actually, <laughs> well, yeah, we have to plan to do something like that. Yeah. yeah like, you have to tell me ahead of time what ingredients to get, and I'll make it along with you, because <laughs> I have it over here in my little stash. Uh, who knows? But uh, definitely looking forward to, uh, like I said, to having you on again and, uh, and keeping up with you. So Thank you again for coming on. Thank you. Thank you, Ray. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to have you. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, everybody, for watching. See you all next week. Thank you, guys. Thank you. <laughs>